Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We already know that it's a jungle out there. From Tinder tales to hinge horror stories, I have to admit that I actually kind of love to live vicariously through my friends' experiences of the dating world and all that it has or has not got to offer. Now, when you throw being a mom into the mix, things can get a little bit sticky. When do you tell potential suitors you have children? When do you introduce them to your children? And how do you make time to actually date between work, your kids' extracurricular activities, co-parenting, etc, etc, etc? The jungle just turned into a desert filled with landmines. Welcome to episode 8 of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide, a podcast about how we survive and thrive as black mothers in Britain today. I'm Jen Della Benson, head of editorial at Black Ballad, and this episode is about dating. I want to believe we all planned our lives as children. I don't know if it was planning per se, I'd say maybe more we just kind of had this fantasy that had kind of been conditioned into us. So, you know, your typical, traditionally, what you hear culturally is, you know, go to uni, get married, have children, that kind of thing. And I'd say that was probably what I based my expectations of what life would be like as I grew up on. I I thought I would do the the traditional one, two, three. That's Wumi Etty, a food entrepreneur and the owner of Angry Black Kitchen, and of course, a mum. Like many of us, She grew up knowing the conservative expectations of family when it came to relationships and motherhood. Our parents failed to realise that even though they're telling us to do ABC, if we've seen it go CBA around us with our cousins, our aunties, our uncles, whatever it may be, then we're just like, oh, but this person did that and that person did that. So there's this kind of hypocrisy that goes on culturally. Growing up, my mum wasn't in like... Well, she was married and then they divorced or separated. And that dynamic in itself, I think, also affected how I saw things and what my expectations were and how I put like this much more heavy expectation on how everything must be perfect or else my life will be X, Y and Z. And it's not worked out that way for me in the slightest. So here we are. (laughs) Wumi's path to motherhood was, I guess you can say it was complicated and not without its fair share of drama. I fell pregnant at 19. Funny enough, I fell pregnant at 19 for the second time. So I'd gotten pregnant prior and I'd had an abortion. And I think that 
I don't know how my brain didn't compute that this is when you should probably fix up your life and not make the same mistake again. Where it happened again, I want to say a year later. And at that moment, it was like, okay, so this seems to be the reality I'm going to have to live. It was met with a lot of conflict in the family. You know, my mom and dad, as much as they're not together, I think that even created a bigger wedge in what they had because they had opposing views on how or the decision I should take, which was a lot to deal with. You know, I'm going through this thing within myself and and for whatever reason, because I was 19 at the time, keep in mind. So I, I didn't have a say in any of it. There was only so much I could say that my dad wanted one thing, my mum wanted another, and, and it was just me stuck in the middle of this thing with no authority there, even though it was my body and my being and, and my life that was absolutely drastically going to change. The first time around, I had the abortion and I didn't tell my mum. And then I was lying there in this room by myself and I was like, yo, this is mad. And so I called my mum, I chickened out, I called my mum and the nurse was like, no, she was a Nigerian nurse and she was so like, you shouldn't have done that, you know. I can only imagine the trouble it would cause at home. You could have given us the phone and we would have lied. And I was, I, I, I get it. I know why they know they need to do that. And, and in itself, that's a noble thing for them to do, so to speak. But there's also part of me that was lying there. If anything goes wrong, my mom will have my head whether I'm dead or alive. So <laughs> I need to tell yeah. her. And then after that, there was just a lot of friction in my house. And my mom started behaving like, you know, why didn't you tell me? Can you come, can you come? And in my head, I'm just like, I've, you've never cultivated an environment for me to have this kind of discussion with you. And that's why. And so that friction that happened at that moment was when I should have listened to the don't do it advice. Because then the second time around, it only amplified that for me. And my mom was like, no. You know, because she knew of the first one, she was like, ah, I've spoken to them. You know, she, my mom's really superstitious. You know, she's called Nigeria. They said, if I have another abortion, I would die. I was like, bruv, I, I really don't think it's that deep. But mm. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. I like stories. <laughs> I was still going to get rid of the baby at the time. It's crazy saying this now because she's really much, very much alive. But I went to the clinic. I got on the bus, I got off the bus, right outside it. The bus was blocking my view, so I didn't look around. My mom's car was across the road. And if I'd waited for two seconds and waited for that bus to go, I'd have seen my mom's car and I wouldn't have gone straight in. But I went straight in. And as I'm walking in, my mom is walking out, shouting at all the nurses, if she's here, nobody must give her anything. Did it scattering the whole of this abortion clinic? And I was there, I walked in, I walked into just fire, like just, even today as I try to visualize, that's what I see, it was just smoke on fire because they were shouting at her, she was shouting at them, she was screaming my name. And I walked straight into that and she said, let's go. Took me sat in her car. And it was in that moment that I realized I didn't have a choice, that this was it. And she did this thing where she tried to make me think that, you know, she was going to help me, she was going to have my back and, and all of this. And I suppose that was the mother in her, the softer mother in her trying to be like, okay, maybe this is what woman needs to hear. And that's not kind of how it went. And eventually after I had Duny, I was kind of out of her house before Duny turned two. So yeah, it wasn't that I decided to. 
I'd say it was a mixture of fate and, and my mom's perseverance. And and my mom always likes to remind me, ah, if it wasn't for me, would I don't be here? I'm like, bruv, okay, but she's here and I've raised her. Leave me alone. But yeah, it's, it wasn't a personal decision, but it was a decision that I'm grateful was put on me because I don't think I'd be where I, where I am if not for my daughter. Cliche as that sounds. So Wumi got pregnant at 18, had her daughter at 19, and then decided to tick the other things that she was meant to do off her list. She went back to college and then on to university. Education was my my main priority because in the situation I was in, marriage wasn't an option between the two parties, between me and the man. So that, that was already completely out of the, that was not an option from the jump, to be quite honest. So for me, it was like, okay, go back to college, go to uni, graduate. At least, you know, everyone kind of get off your back. You've done two of the three. You know, there's some people that don't do any for whatever reason. Like, it, it was very much a try and make everyone as happy as physically possible. But in doing that, you don't think of how much of a toll that's going to take on yourself. In my case, I, that was not something I thought of. I, I hadn't thought it through at all. And that in itself was a lot. But that was kind of the priority I went for do college and uni then hopefully along the line somewhere in between that marriage or the prospect of marriage will pop up and and that will happen I'd say initially it was very much a cultural and family pressured thing but as I've gotten older and I've gone through relationships and situationships and entanglements and the whole shebang I realized that now I'm at a place where, yes, I would like it for myself, but it's not a be-all and end-all for me at this point. So, yeah. yeah, that's kind of where I am on that. Deciding that you're ready to date and actually dating are two completely different things. The whole finding a partner thing can be thorny and complicated. And when you have the welfare and the eyes of little people to think about, the stakes can feel pretty high. Wumi generously shared her journey so far. You know, for me, I'll be really honest, dating was not something I really understood the concept of. Aside from what you kind of see on TV, there was no other blueprint for me to follow, so to speak. When you watch something, you know, they meet, they go on a date and, and it's all rom com But in reality, even prior to my daughter, I hadn't really dated. It was very much just oh, you're sleeping with this person or as we'd call it back in the day, you're linking this person and, and you know, and, and that's what led to the pregnancy in the first place. So even after that, it was very much, okay, what do I want to do now? How do I go about that? And I want to say my first thing after that was about maybe six months to a year after and I was kind of seeing this person for about a year and a half after that. That wasn't really something with any prospect it was just me kind of going back to what I knew and then I'd say the first proper relationship I had or dating experience I had was about just under two years after I had her and I think at that moment I was very much still in the oh I'm looking for someone to marry like that's the thing I need to do at this point. So anytime someone came along, that was kind of what I looked at. And this first person I met, it was very, he was an older person. And 
as far as in my head, I was like, oh, this aligns, you know, he's older, that's what he's going to want, that's what I want, or I thought I wanted. So I kind of pursued that and went into it like, you know, when you like deep dive into something really unnecessarily, but literally just dove straight into it. And that was interesting because I think in that experience and that dynamic at the time, I had my own place, he kind of moved in or was at at his union just finishing his masters and 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 I thought you know I'm gonna make life easy we're gonna be together all of that and it was just very much a thing where he came into my daughter's life and and she that was the first male figure she'd actually been around like that so things moved very fast it was a thing where after a, a while you know he'd be like oh no she should call me daddy and and very much your typical Nigerian kind of dynamic there. It was like, I'm going to come in and be the father figure and she's got to call me daddy and and, mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to do. And in the end, it didn't work out. Kicked him out of my house. It was all just very dramatic. And after that, it was like, I was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't do this because now Dunny's asking, where's daddy, so to speak? And she was about three, three and a half, maybe going mm-hmm. on four. So, you know, she, this, is when, this is when you're kind of remembering things. So she kind of held on to that for a little while. Funny enough, she has kind of brought it up. Do you remember that person? I'm like, no, I don't. I, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, this is your imagination, sis. <laughs> and I think there was a part of me that was conscious of that at the time. I was like, this is not what I want her to be dealing with mm. or seeing now, especially because she's a girl. And I was also conscious of, the implications that will have for her in her future and when she decides she wants to start dating so I kind of just stopped with the the whole dating seriously thing I was like you know what I'm just gonna enjoy my life whatever happens happens and that's kind of what I did I was still at uni at this point so this was the second year of uni so I was still at uni and it was just very much go to uni she'd be at nursery if there was someone at uni I was talking to or I was having a fling with whatever it was that was kind of where I was at them because I just didn't I didn't know how to after that experience I was just like I can't do that again um mm. I'm not willing to do that again maybe that that route isn't for me I'll, I'll figure it out as I go along and that's what I did for quite a while to be honest so I, I suppose I didn't do like your traditional kind of date and going out on dates and and all of that it was if I went out somewhere and I met someone and we were cool we'd exchange numbers we'd talk many a times we didn't go anywhere and and I think because of where I was mentally in in the kind of state of mind that I don't think I want this like if I don't see the prospects there immediately I wasn't I wasn't trying to do it that was kind of the boat I was on for a little while until about 2017 when I met someone but I feel like the difference with this was we went on one date and <laughs> you know what? I repeat cycles. I'm telling you this and I realized you did the same thing, sis. <laughs> so I didn't like the first time. Met him. I think with him it was it was a bit different for me because we had grown up together. So we went to the same primary school together. So there was a part of me that was like, oh, the stars are aligning. Oh, this is not a coincidence. It's meant to be. Look at that. And once again, I turned into, what's that guy that does the diving? Michael Phelps, I'll be whoever. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I dive straight into it, head first, all of that. And again, about a year and a half, 
I lied. It wasn't even a year and a half. It didn't even reach a year. Something about that, you know, got there and, and, and same thing. And it was, I was back in this place. So by like 20, beginning of 2019, I was back at the place that I'd, I'd said that I never wanted to be at. And I feel like the ramifications for that was like having to, at this point, Denise now at a stage where I have to explain this to her because she's very aware. You know, she sees that she's heard the arguments and she's seen me crying or being upset or him shouting and being. So it's like now I now have to sit her down and explain it to her. That's kind of how my journey has been with dating per se. It's either I'm throwing myself straight into something because I feel like it has potential to be what my end goal is, which is marriage, or I don't take anything seriously because you're not worth my time and I don't see any prospects, but, you know, you're good for a bit of, you know, what they call it entanglements now. So I suppose that's, <laughs> that's what I've been doing. It's either an entanglement or it's me deep diving into lava. There's, there's not been an in-between for me. Yeah, that's kind of how the dating journey for me has gone with my daughter and there's a part of me that's really conscious of how as a young girl she sees that and then she would then go on to see relationships and relationships in kind of any any way and what she feels like or how she feels it's meant to go or how it goes and and there's a part of me that's really conscious of that's not what I want her to have and and I say that because when I then look at what I saw growing up on, on how things have ended up for me I strongly believe there's a direct correlation there. There is an element of me that's like, okay, is this person worth being around Dani? Is this going to be beneficial for the both of us? But then there's also a part of me that who I am and how I love is very do or die or nothing at all. There's there's no in-between for me. There is a lot to be learned from the things that we try that don't work out. And from Wumi's experiences, she's come to solid conclusions about what she can and cannot accept when it comes to potential partners. Going forward, I'm very much at a place where there is no plan. Whatever happens, happens. But I think there's a part of me that's really conscious of me not wanting to dive into anything anymore. Me wanting there to be some kind of foundation where it's like, I know this is the right thing I'm doing before I, I, I commit to anything. And I think like that's what I've, I've not waited for that before I've tried to commit into something or throw myself into something or I don't even say coerce but convince a guy that yeah this is it this is the moment let's let's just do this and I think that's something I've just learned from this last experience where it's like you have to be conscious of how a man coming into a home where there's a child and that's now something he has to take on board and, and that's something I'm big on anyone that wants to date me or have any kind of relationship with me I need you to know that it's not just me and that's a non-negotiable as well it's like <laughs> I can't just be like okay you know I'm just gonna put it to the side for a little bit let's see how this is literally if we're on the phone and you know you're trying to do sexy talk or whatever the child might burst in and say mommy I want water there's no that's something you're going to have to know that comes with the territory and be willing to take on and I'll be honest from what I've experienced I don't think a lot of people are ready to take that walk a lot of men are willing to take that on you know at first it's like okay no it's fine but then as they realize that one this is not their child I think there, there are many factors it's not their child it's this responsibility that they've been thrown into because you know you're not seeing her grow up and you can't you know you, you don't know her 
who she is as a person you're coming into that and then the burden of feeling like oh you know you've not gone through whatever like with my ex one of his things was oh you know with you I'm not gonna have those firsts and when I heard that I was like oh but you knew that coming into this and, and now six months down the line you're saying you're not gonna have you knew you weren't gonna have firsts because you're aware of Duny before you approach me so I think that's that's something it's about you know knowing that a lot of men are not ready for that kind of responsibility even the ones that become fathers of their own children they're not ready for it talkless of a man that you know that's not his child and that's something I've come to terms with and I'm pretty okay with so it's very much like from the jump if that's something that's going to affect you in any way shape or form I'd rather you said at the start but I feel like even putting that, that to them at first can be a bit off-putting but for me it's like if I don't do it now when am I going to have the opportunity to do it and so I'm very much in place that I'm just like if it's hard for you to deal with at the start it's probably never going to get better or easier so let's just leave it at that and that's kind of how I'm, I'm, I'm taking it now there's no plan it's just the these are the conditions these are the terms and and if any of those don't sit well with you then we probably shouldn't bother moving forward planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Now Wumi's in her late 20s and a decade on from the younger version of herself who felt she had to please her family or make up for their disappointments, the dynamic between herself and her parents gives her the space to pursue relationships and marriage at her own pace. Everybody in my family understands me enough to know that you cannot come to me with any kind of pressure because I will block you, I will lock you out the heart. Like, it doesn't work for me. And I think everyone has finally grasped that. Occasionally, my mum will be like, oh, come, let's go to this 50th or something, you know, hoping that, you know, she knows I'm going to dress up and I'm going to look nice. I think that was one day I was actually talking to her. It was just after my birthday last year and I was telling her about, oh, why, where are all the men? Like, everybody's useless. I was just ranting to her. And I like it. When I have conversations with her, she never kind of pushes for anything. She just, she just listens and she takes it in. And then two days later, she's like, oh, my friend is having a 50th. Uh, let's go. I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. I appreciate it. 
God there, no prospects. But, you know, it's the fact that she's not doing it. She's not trying to pressure me, per se. She's just, if I mention it to her, she, she'd support it. But if I don't, she's not pushing for it. And, and I respect that. My dad, my dad, anybody I've been to my dad, my dad will tell you he's not this one. So I don't even bother. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think my parents are a godsend in, in the fact that as much as I've not done things the way it should have been done, I've also not let them down. Like I've done quite well for myself, all things considering. So I'm, I'm nearly 30. It's not me you're going to pressure. They they know their child, you know. You know when you know what, the two people that decided to procreate, when they know what they're like, they know who they've raised. It's not me. You can't, my peers can't pressure me. My parents can't, nobody can pressure me. At this point, it's very much a whatever woman's doing, woman's doing. Like my mom, there was a day she said to me, she was like, ah, you would have found a husband if you dated white men. I said over my dead body. And she always throws that in sometimes. She's always just like, ah, whoa, it was when you now. I said, don't bother. So she knows that, you know, of all the people that I may bring home, it can never be a white man. Of all the people she can even decide she wants to introduce me to, it can't be that. So it's very much a understanding your child's dynamic we have going on and knowing what's acceptable for me and what's not and I respect that so and I'm just grateful that neither of them have ever tried to like match make me because Mm. yeah it's just it's very respectable across the board everyone's like okay let's just respect what we're doing either way Mm. she's doing well she's not struggling so she'll figure it out as she goes okay I know some of you flinched when Wumi said dating a white guy would be over her dead body but before you get vexed, Wumi explains. I don't know if it's an idealistic thing, but for me, it's just like, I can't be my true and authentic self around someone that I have to either explain my being to and my, my race to and, and who I am as a human being. I can't be my authentic self if I have to explain the little things, like why I need a headscarf on my head at night or for me to sleep and it comes off and you don't know to put it back on. It's really tiny things. But I don't, I want to be able to come home and I've had something happen to me outside and I tell you this has happened and I don't have to explain it more than this happened to me today and you understand why there's either frustration or hurt or anything there. Whereas I cannot just imagine going home and saying, oh yeah, this lady did X, Y, and Z to me today. And then you're like, oh, why is that a big deal? At that point, I'm not having to explain my blackness. I'm trying to explain race to you. I'm trying to explain my progressions to you. All of these things that, if you were my person, you'd know and you'd understand my experiences in the outside world and your home is your safe haven. If you don't feel like you're with a like-minded person at home, then going out into this world that's set up against you is it's a scam. It's a big scam. I feel like, yeah, for me personally, dating outside my race is the biggest disservice I could do to myself, to my child. And also I have a black like I don't want my child to feel outside in her home as well. That's another thing, because having subsequent children after having one child that's blackety black black is is insane. Because I don't want her to ever feel othered in her home. There's a chance that, that may already happen. That may possibly happen even if I date a black man that you know takes her on because she's going to be aware of the fact that you know the rest of the children, her siblings are you know, they've got the same mom and dad. And, you know, those things that I've kind of preempted may possibly happen in her life. For her to now be in a home where her siblings don't look like her, 
is not something I, I can't do it. If we're going to have an honest conversation about dating and motherhood, we have to speak about the fact that respectability politics often come into play. Single motherhood in general is often looked down upon, but the term black single mother has a special sort of scorn reserved for it. I personally know of women who have stayed in relationships that they really, really shouldn't have, just to avoid the stigma of being a black single mom. While I've seen others rush to settle down with someone who they're settling for, and it ends disastrously. We can't pretend that these pressures don't exist and it's important that we speak about it. If not to expose the illogical nature of the microscope that is placed upon our lives as black women, then to free anyone who feels like they're experiencing these feelings or pressures alone. Wumi shares her thoughts. For me personally, I think it's really important to live your life for you. And I think that's what a lot of us forget because I have like my first situation for example was me wanting to do respect I was like I found someone that's ready to take her on like this is it and initially I stayed through bullshit like first thing happened I was like okay no it's not a big deal second thing mm, red flag no not a big deal third thing I was like no I'm not doing this I'm not mad like if any of my friends came to me and said that was happening to them I wouldn't do it I've watched my friend do the whole respectability thing and the things I've seen not things I'd want to go through so it's really important to know that if you're doing what you want to be doing nothing else should matter I think and I know when you say that it's like people be like oh yeah but you're confident you're this and you know you can but it it, all of that's built up I wasn't always like this but there's no one that can come to me and say oh x y and z or it's even little things like we talk about respectability but even as a single mother dating there's a whole respectability thing that comes into that because when I go out people see me and they're like oh how's your daughter where's your daughter it's like even little thing, they think you can't go out and enjoy yourself and you remember that these people are not raising your children these people don't clothe feed house your children or your child and once you figure that out and you understand that that's that's the important thing if you can do that for your child unless the person ticks all the boxes you need in a relationship not just because of what everyone else sees looking in but because what you're feeling inside the home settling really should not be an option in any capacity and I know a lot of women do it and there's a thing where you know even outside of having a child they they kind of sell because they get into an age and they have to be married etc it's not worth it your mental health is really important and motherhood in itself tests your mental health (laughs) like no other so for you raising your child to be dealing, doing you best most inside your brain and then man that's moving mad to come and be adding to that, it's not worth it. That's not your son, baby girl. It's <laughs> it's not worth it. Not at all. Like these last few months in this lockdown, COVID malarkey, I look up because I'm looking, looking at the world, has made me realise how mentally... I don't like to use the word exhausting, but I think that's the best word to use. Being a parent is. And you shouldn't take on more than you need to. The child is your duty. That part do. But don't do that for any man or for any auntie that's looking in or any religious establishment that's telling you you need to do that. Or any peers that are like, oh, me, I'm married, I need. It's not worth it. 
because mm-hmm. I can only imagine what it's like trying to raise children and then being married and having marital problems and then having a career and having career. it cannot be worth it in any I'm a big advocate on taking care of your mind and mm-hmm. I say this as someone who's spent the whole of this morning crying unprovoked like just unprovoked and I look at my life the only things that are really doing me is me being a parent and me trying to run a business in this mess of a state of a world I can only imagine how much more if there were other factors coming in how Mm. mad somebody would feel and I don't think any kind of wanting to please anyone outside of your home should affect that in any capacity ever I think that sound sound advice now finally of course I had to ask Wumi what it is that helps her to survive and thrive this wild ride of parenting. I'd say having a solid set of people around me has helped me on my hardest days. Like the old saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child. Like honestly, I have a little village around me and whenever (laughs) it feels like everything is just going wrong, whether it be regarding Duny, or just regarding the things that directly affect Duny being, whether it's, you know, something in the home or something with the business, having people that stand up and show up for me every time and are happy to be like, oh, I'll come and take her if this is that, or I'll come and do this, or I'll... whatever it may be has made this journey. The sailing is not, it's not smooth, but, you know, we haven't shipwrecked yet, and that's because... I have solid people on the ship with me and I'd say like on a day-to-day thing up until corona kind of came welling in I'd say it was like exercising going to the gym that's one of my top things to do just go bang weights and you know start the day good get I can't remember what that orphan is that goes through your body but the one that makes you happy endorphins there we go it's one of the orphans (laughs) when I get the endorphins in the morning and I come home wake up get ready for school and all of that and that was it right now I'd say I don't have anything that's getting me through the day-to-day and because the day-to-day is very blurry at the moment honestly just the child in itself watching her go to sleep at night is my day-to-day thing at the moment because it's like she goes to sleep I look at her and I know the world is her oyster and I want to do everything I can to get her to where she needs to be. And in this moment, she's peaceful and she's content. So she has a bed to sleep on, she has food in her belly. And that's really all I can do right now because I don't know what the state of the world is going to be when she's grown. I don't know what it's going to be in the next six months. So just knowing she's healthy, fed, housed is enough for now. This has been episode eight of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide. Thanks once again for listening and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and also please, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. This episode was written by me, Jendela Benson and produced by Christina Moore of Don't Skip. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.